Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and then uh, you can hold your place there, and then go to Matthew chapter 18, and we'll be there in a little bit. But we're going to continue our series, Sermon on the Mount. Now, this has been the most disjoined series that I think we've ever done. And so some of you might have got the first part. Some of you might have not got any parts. But one Sunday, we preached one service and didn't preach the other service. And so uh, then the following Sunday, we didn't preach any other services. And then Pastor Brandon preached last Sunday about salt and light. Well, I'm going to go back a little bit and try to do the second part so we can have the whole series. But when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he taught, he opened the sermon talking about eight different attitudes that you and I need to live a blessed life. You know, in, in Indonesia, you know, it's a big deal over there. Just like they hire these dukas or whatever they call them to cast spells, they also, they'll hire pastors to, to pray blessings over people. And they're big into pray a blessing over me. And, you know, it's, un, it's not uncommon for, for people to want to be blessed of God. And I think that's a good thing. Amen. How many of you want to be blessed of the Lord? But, you know, sometimes we, we get superstitious. And we think that the blessing of the Lord comes through, you know, through some r- routine or some kind of, you know, special, you know, if you jump through that hoop, you're going to get blessed. But how many of you know that the blessing of the Lord comes on people that follow and live the standards of the Word of God. And so when Jesus is teaching the people, as he starts this sermon, he says, hey, if you want to be blessed, you need to have and possess these attitudes. And he lays out eight of them. We've already taught four of these attitudes. And we talked about the poor in spirit. That's the ones that have a a dependency on the Lord. God blesses that person. And then we talked about those that mourn, those that are repentant whenever they sin against God or they they turn to God when they go through grief. God blesses that person. And then we talked about those gentle of heart, those that are not harsh and hard and and stubborn and but have a pliability about their life that turn to the Lord and yield to the Lord. God will bless that person. And then we talked about those that hunger and right, hunger and thirst for God, thirst for righteousness. God will bless that person. Whenever you make the effort to draw closer to God, God will bless your life for it. Amen. And so those were the first four attitudes that Jesus laid out. And he said, if you will make sure that these attitudes are part of your life, the blessing of God will be on your life. And so today we're going to go through the next four and talk about more attitudes to live by if you want your life to be blessed of the Lord. Let me ask you a really important question. How many of you want the blessing of the Lord on your life? I mean, you know, if you don't want the blessing of the Lord on your life, you need prayer. Amen. And so Jesus continues with the fifth attitude, and he says, listen, if you want your life to be blessed, he said the fifth attitude that you must possess is a merciful attitude. Bible says in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive merciful. What is a merciful person? 
Well, a merciful person is one that has the ability to pardon or forgive someone who has done them wrong. They have the ability to forego judgment and release their offender. So if you, if you ball it down, the short of a merciful person is a person who is a forgiving person. How many of you know if you want your life to be blessed, you got to learn how to forgive? A forgiven person will have a blessed life. You can't enjoy a blessed life unless you learn how to forgive. Isn't that right, saints? You have to learn how to forgive. Now, why did Jesus teach that? Well, in Luke 17, 17, Jesus said, it's impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, he's saying, listen, you can't live your life without somebody doing you wrong. You can't live your life with somebody mistreating you, rejecting you, turning their back on you, betraying you. You can't live this life without somebody mistreating you. Jesus said, it's impossible that no offenses should come. In this world, you're going to be offended. You're going to have people hurt you and wrong you. Amen? The question is, what are we going to do whenever we get offended? The fact of life is we can all have the opportunity to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. The question is, what are we going to do when somebody wrongs us? Jesus is laying out the standard. He said, listen, if you want your life to be blessed, you're going to have to learn how to extend mercy and forgive those that wrong you. You know, he tells this story in Matthew chapter 18, which is the other passage that you should have held in. Matthew 18, you know, the disciple says, you know, Lord, how often should we forgive? You know, seven times. And Jesus says 70 times seven. In other words, you've got to keep forgiving. And then he, he says, listen, let me, let me illustrate what forgiveness is about. And he tells a story about this master that called a servant over and he says, hey, you owe me 10 grand and you need to pay up. And the servant says, oh, Lord, I don't have 10 grand. He said, well, that's fine. Let's sell your wife, your children, and, your, and I'm going to sell you and everything that you own and you possess. I'm going to sell all that and get my 10 grand. And the guy falls on his knees and says, Lord, please have mercy on me. Give me time. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. And so the master thinks about it and he says, you know what? I'm going to be merciful to you and I'm going to release you of your entire debt. Go and be forgiven. So the servant is so excited, right? He just got forgiven this huge debt. And then he remembers Somebody owed him something. And so he goes and he grabs one of a fellow servant and he says, hey, man, you owe me 10 bucks. Pay up. And the guy says, man, I don't have 10 bucks. I don't have $10 to give you. Would you be merciful? Would you be patient with me and allow me some time to pay you back? He said, I'm not going to be patient with you. I'm not going to be merciful to you. And I'm going to throw you in prison. Well, Jesus tells the story and he says, well, the servants that were around and they saw this, this, this story unfold, they go back to the master and they said, Master, you know this guy that you forgave this incredible debt load? Well, that guy just went through one of his fellow servants in prison for a little bitty debt. The master said, oh, yeah, well, call him over. And so the master calls him over and, and you got to see what, what the price 
of not having a merciful spirit is. In verse 34 of Matthew 18, And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. He said, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you, each of you, who does not forgive his brother from your heart. So Jesus uses this story to make, to drive the point home that the unmerciful servant became imprisoned and tormented because he would not forgive the offender. And so Jesus makes that point to say that, listen, the only way that you and I can live a blessed life is we have to learn to forgive those who hurt us. And by the way, somebody will hurt you. And it's going to be somebody that loves you the most. It's going to be somebody that's closer to you. How many of you know somebody you don't know they can do stuff to you and it doesn't affect you? It's those that are close to you that hurt you. In fact, you know, the hardest ones to release whenever they hurt you are those that are in fellowship with you in church. Isn't that right? And so he makes this point and he says the price tag for not being a merciful person is you're going to be tormented. You're going to be imprisoned mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And he says, there's no way that you can enjoy. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much success you have in life. There's no way that you're going to live a happy life if you hold bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. How many of you know that's true? You know, the first time I saw this principle played out so vividly, years ago we had a Saturday night service when we were at Old Sanctuary. And I was, I was preaching the Saturday night service, and I was preaching on the trap of Satan, which is offense. And after the service, this lady came up and said, I need prayer, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I have him having problems in my body with health issues. Uh, I hear voices at night, I can't be quiet. Every time I get quiet, I hear voices, and so at night I can't sleep because I hear these voices mocking me, making fun of me, and I don't know what to do anymore. And so the service had ended and most everybody had left. And so we took some time and went in a side room and began to minister to this lady. And as we began to talk to her, we found out that she had uh, gone through divorce because her husband was unfaithful to her. And as she told the story, it became quite evident that she was bitter at her husband for being unfaithful. And so we said, ma'am, you know, this might be the whole reason why you're having so many problems. You need to forgive your husband. And we, we told her about Matthew 18. When you don't forgive, you're, you're tormented. And you might be hearing these voices because of the bitterness in your heart. You need to forgive your husband. Don't allow him to harm you any, more, any further. Forgive him and be done with that. Let him, l- l- turn him over to the Lord. And she made a decision that day that she was going to forgive her husband. And whenever she said, she, we prayed with her and we said, say, say this, I forgive him, name him by name, and, and forgive him not from your head, but from your heart. And she forgave her husband from her heart. And the power of God came into that room. And all of a sudden, the presence of God came over her and that oppression that was on her life broke And she told us the next week, 
That night she went home, never heard another voice, was able to go home and sleep. And by the way, her health turned around. She got past discouragement, past depression, got healed in her body. No more voices, all because she forgave. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. You know, you might have been hurt this week. You might have been really wronged this past month, this year. Right now, as you're hearing my voice, there might be somebody that if you had the ability, you would harm them because you're holding animosity in your heart towards them. Can I encourage you? It's not worth it. It's not worth it holding offense or holding bitterness towards anybody. They will continue to hold you in prison, release them, forgive them from your heart, be set free yourself and enjoy the blessed life. Amen. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Why? They shall receive mercy. You know what happens when you forgive and you extend mercy? You receive mercy from others. How many of you ever wronged somebody yourself? How many of you appreciate people being merciful to you? The Bible says that we're all fall short. Amen. We all make mistakes. And the Lord says, listen, if you want people to be patient and forgiving towards you, I tell you how you get that. You extend that. Amen. And not only do you get forgiveness from others, but you get mercy and forgiveness from the Lord. How many of you ever sinned? Look around, see who's lying in here. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, the reality is, brothers and sisters, we are desperately in need of the mercy of God. Isn't that true? We are desperately in need of his mercy. And so he says, listen. If you want to receive the Lord's mercy and forgiveness, you got to extend it. Listen how he says it in Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? He says, listen, if you how many of you know that first servant with the huge debt load is you and I, and the master is the Lord, and the debt load is all the sins, all the times we've broken the law of God, and we owed him a lot, amen? But in his mercy and his grace, he said, I forgive you. It's all wiped out. Be washed, be forgiven, and go in peace. Now he says, now don't go hold bitterness towards somebody else after I've extended forgiveness towards you. Because he said, if you don't, I'm going to hold your sin against you. You know, just before we left Indonesia, we, we ministered to this couple and, and, and they were, um, they, they were, they have a business and financially they're, they're, they're just getting blessed beyond, you know, anything they could ask for. But yet this lady found herself, uh, depressed, disillusioned, uh, confused. And this couple that was helping us uh, and scheduling our whole week, they went to the marketplace and they ran into this lady who was a member of the church and they tapped her on the shoulder and she looked up and she started crying. She said, I left work and I came to here just to get away from everything. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm confused. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to go. 
And so we sat down with her and began to minister to her. And and, in Indonesia, for whatever reason, people just will turn on their friends. Like they'll be in business together and they'll just turn and they'll, they'll go to the authorities and lie about them and get them put in jail so they can take the business from them. And this guy had just got out of jail. He'd spent two years in jail, falsely accused of something he never did. And the wife now had to run the business, take care of the family. And through the process, she got offended and bitter at the people that falsely accused her husband. And then she got bitter at God for allowing it to happen. But as we began to talk about it, she began to realize what she had did and what was going wrong in her life. Right there, she opened her heart and said, Lord, I forgive the offenders. And Lord, please forgive me for being bitter at you. And all of a sudden, this lady was so stressed. She was such, she was in such bondage and oppression. I mean, she couldn't talk without, it seemed like she was about to explode. And in a moment's time, that thing broke in her life. Merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We need God's mercy, and it comes as we extend mercy towards others. Are y'all with me today? Amen. The sixth attitude we must possess to enjoy a blessed life is a sincere attitude. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, the pure in heart are those that have the right motives and the right intentions. Those who the inward is the same as the outward. You know, Jesus said this to the Pharisees and the scribes in Matthew 23 and 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may be clean also. You know, it's our tendency to worry more about our outward appearance. We come to church, we hold our Bible, and we say, praise God, hallelujah, we lift our hands. And it's all about the outward. And the Lord's saying, listen, we need to worry about the inward. We need to worry about the inside. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 7, the Lord told the prophet Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How many of you know our motives and intentions need to be right? God blesses us when our, when our motives and our intentions are right. Listen, there's no way that God will bless us if we're deceiving, we're manipulating, we're going around, we're hiding, and we're doing things in secret and darkness, trying to camouflage what we're doing. God's not going to bless that. You know, we, listen, if you want your business to be blessed, run your business with integrity. Run it uprightly. Don't manipulate. Don't deceive. If you want your marriage to be blessed, don't go doing things behind your spouse's back. Be upright. Make your heart line up with the Word of God if you want your life to be blessed. If you want your life to be blessed, live with a pure heart before God because they're the ones that see God. Amen. Are you all with me? You know, after the first service, uh, one of the brothers in the church who's been here a long time, he said, man, he said, do you remember uh, what happened to me in my business? Uh, And he started recounting the story about six years ago. He came came, uh, through this trial in his business, and he had a decision to make, whether he was going to keep his heart right 
or if he was going to allow it, or if he was going to get, get in, uh, in trouble in his, in his spiritual life. And as we talked about it, we prayed together. And he made a decision. You know what? I don't care what it cost me financially. And it cost him about $25,000 to do the right thing. When he could have easily, he could have easily done the wrong thing and kept all that money. But he made a decision to do the right thing, to live uprightly, to have a pure heart. And he said, Todd, in the last six years, even though the economy went down, my business has thrived and it's continued to thrive. Jesus says, if you want to live a blessed life, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the promise. You'll see God. You'll see God in your life. In other words, you can enjoy the the love of God, the presence of God. There's nothing like having the touch of God on your life. There's nothing like having the peace of God in your life. There's nothing like experiencing His presence and His love in the midst of your trial and your tribulation. Amen? And who gets to see God in the midst of their trial? Those who have a pure heart. Not only will you experience the presence of God, you will see God work in your life. You'll see God move in your life. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, In verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You know, whenever whenever God wants to use somebody, he's not going to use somebody whose motives are wrong. Say, man, I want a ministry. I want to be used of God. Why? What's the motive? What's the intention? Are you all with me? You see, even in our good deeds, our good deeds have to be with the right motive, with the right intention. And that's the person that God will bless. That's the person God will use. And and not only that, but it'll, it'll be vital to some really great relationships. How many of you know you can't really, you can't really establish ongoing relationships whenever your heart's not pure? You're going you're gonna to destroy relationships. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty two eleven, He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. You know, those that, that choose not to live with a pure heart, they'll have, they'll have destroyed relationships all around them. But when your heart is pure, the Bible says you're going to gain friends in high places. Amen? Even with kings. Remember Joseph, when Joseph had that incredible dream with the stars and the moon and the, and the sheaves and, uh, you know, uh, you know and, and, and God spoke to him that he was going to be a leader and, and his brothers got jealous of him, sold him into slavery. Remember that? Threw him in the pit and then he got sold into slavery. Do you remember that story? You know, Joseph had a choice. Would he keep his heart pure or not? And, and I, I, I believe Joseph kept his heart pure because the Bible tells us in Genesis 39 that Joseph found favor in the eyes, in his eyes, meaning uh, Pharaoh, and became his attendant, or not Pharaoh, but Potiphar. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Joseph found favor. Why? Because he released his brothers from the offense. 
He kept his heart pure. And then you remember uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, tried to, tried to, um, tried to uh, make him transgress. And, and Joseph leaves and, and, and he flees and leaves his coat in her hand. And, and she cries wolf and, 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 and he gets thrown into prison. But even then, he didn't get bitter at God. He didn't get bitter at anybody. He kept his heart right. And you know what happens when he got through, thrown in prison? He found favor in prison. The Bible says in verse 20, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. How many of you know you can't keep a good man down? Amen. And so here now he's thrown in prison and the warden says, hey, you be in charge, man. And then remember, he was, he was given the ability to interpret dreams and he interpreted the dreams of two guys. And he says, listen, now, when you get out of here, don't forget to tell Potiphar who I am. All right. And they get out and do they tell him? No, they forgot about Joseph. But all the while, Joseph is worrying about the inside of the cup. He's worried about the inside of the cup. Is the inside of the cup right? So what happens to Joseph? He gets, he gets released from prison and ends up in the palace in charge over everything. Why? Because he had a pure heart before the Lord. If we keep our heart pure, we're going to see God in our life. Amen? The life that God's blessed The life that God blesses is the life who wants to walk in sincerity of heart before the Lord. And then the seventh attitude we must possess to enjoy a blessed life is a peaceful attitude. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, I think we could could say there are two kinds of people in the world. They are peacemakers, and then they are troublemakers. And troublemakers are those relational arsonists, always starting fights and quarrels, always fighting with somebody or or trying to cause other people to fight. They don't seem to be happy unless there's just a good, juicy fight going on around them. I know you don't know anybody like that, but you've probably heard of it, right? You know, the troublemakers, it just seems like, man, if they can get a little bit of gossip here and go spread it over here and get this one mad at, oh, they just delight in that. They're troublemakers. And you know, the fruit of troublemakers, they live in turmoil. They have a greater stress level. They have high blood pressure, health problems, and constant mental torment. And then they're the peacemakers. The peacemakers are just the opposite of relational arsonists, they're relational firefighters. They're always trying to stop tension between people. They don't like people fighting and screaming and arguing and and being at each other's throat. They hate that. They want to bring peace in the workplace, in the home, in the neighborhood. They are peacemakers. And the peacemakers, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, God blesses those who work for peace. Are you a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. In 1 Peter 3.10, he says, For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil, his lips from 
speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil, do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. And so Peter says, if you want to love life and see good days, this is what you need to do. Number one, you need to turn from evil. Number two, you need to do good. And number three, you need to seek peace and pursue it. Amen? And so we need to be peacemakers. Listen, we can't have a blessed home as long as we're fighting between husbands and wives. We can't have a, a, we can't have a blessed family as long as we're at each other's throat. Come on, we need to drop our weapons. We need to quit letting the enemy use us to be a sword of contention and strife. And let's allow him to use us as a peacemaker. Amen. I tell you, the house that's blessed has peace in it. Amen. It's the peacemakers that enjoy God's peace. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. You know where the presence of God likes to hang out? In unity. In peace. It's the peacemakers that enjoy the favor of God, the blessing of God. Psalm 133, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. You know where the blessing of the Lord hangs out? Where brethren dwell together in unity. Now listen. We can't make the whole world get along. But we have opportunity to be a peacemaker instead of a troublemaker. Whenever we have the opportunity, if we'll choose to be a peacemaker, God will bless our lives for it. Amen? The eighth and final attitude that Jesus lays out in the Beatitudes is a courageous attitude. In verse 10, he says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. You know, I believe there's two misconceptions in Christianity. See if you agree with this. Number one, Some of us wrongly believe that whenever I become a Christian, all my problems will go away. How many of you you agree? That's a misconception. Another misconception is when I become a Christian, everyone's going to like me. How many of you believe that's a misconception? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. Persecution and mistreatment is part of Christianity, isn't it, brothers and sisters? It's part of Christianity. You think, well, you know, I'm serving Jesus now. Why don't people like me? Why don't people... You know, jump on the bandwagon. Well, listen, I tell you what you can expect when you become a Christian. You can expect people to laugh at you. You can expect people to mock you. You can expect people to ridicule you. You can expect even your family members to turn against you. Am I right? 
How many of you experience that kind of thing? Christianity doesn't make persecution and mistreatment go away. On the other hand, it attracts persecution. Why is that? Well, you start swimming upstream and you start feeling resistance. Remember when Jesus, he, he told that story of that sower, that, that farmer, and he went out and sowed seed. Remember that story? And he, and he talks about the seed landing on four different soils. The seed is the word of God. The soils are the heart of the people, represents four different kinds of people. And remember that first seed fell beside the road. And he said that first seed, the birds come and eat that seed. And he said, that's Satan that comes and steals the word whenever it's preached so that they don't receive it and they don't become a Christian. But that second seed, he said that second seed falls by rocky places. And then it grows up for a little while, and the sun hits it, it's scorched, and it dies. And he said, you know, you know what that is? That's the person that receives the word, and they're excited about it, and then they start growing, and then here comes persecution. Persecution comes, and they get discouraged. Man, here I am trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to serve the Lord. And it seems like instead of things going better, it seems like things are going worse. Well, that is the adversary trying to discourage you, trying to get you to give up and throw in the towel. Can I encourage you today? Don't let persecution discourage you and give up on your faith. Don't throw in the towel. Hang in there. Amen? Hang in there. We are in a spiritual battle, the Bible tells us. The Scripture tells us that we are in a war. Amen? And listen, not everybody's going to get excited because you want to change your lifestyle. You want to change your habits. People are going to want you to turn back. They're going to want, to want you to stay in darkness. But just let them laugh. Let them make fun. Let them say what they want. Because one day when the trumpet sounds, you're going to be glad you didn't give up or you didn't give in. Amen. And I'm telling you, those that are laughing at you, making fun of you, and those that are persecuting you, one day they're going to come knocking on your door and say, would you pray with me? Would you help me? Because my life has fallen apart. Everybody needs Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against powers, against world forces, against principalities, against spiritual forces of wickedness. We are in a spiritual war. You know, the persecution we feel, it's the good against evil. It's, it's light against darkness. It's God and, and it's Satan that's fighting him. And Satan don't want the people of God to live for him. Amen. You start swimming upstream. That's why you feel the resistance. That's why you get attacked. That's why people turn on you. Because they, they're not turning on you. They're turning against the light that's in you. When you're in the darkness, you don't want to be in the light. You know, whenever you're in the bar getting drunk on Friday night, the last thing you want is somebody to turn on the bright lights. It's easier, it's easier to be in darkness. Whenever you're doing what you're not supposed to, you like to do it in darkness. And whenever light comes around, you don't like the light. Come on, are you all hearing me? Whenever you live in an upright life and you get around people that don't want to live an upright life, they don't, they're uncomfortable. It's not you they're coming against, it's the light in you they're coming against. 
They're not persecuting you. They're persecuting who you stand for and who you're living for. Amen? So don't be discouraged. Don't let the enemy cause you to throw in the towel. If you will hang in there, right on the other side of the persecution, is the glory of God. It's the blessing of God. Amen? Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Later on, he said, for your reward in heaven is great. I like what 1 Peter 4 says. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed. In all the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. I tell you what, the more you persecute it, the more the glory of God will rest on you. The more you persecute it, the more the anointing of God will rest on you. The more you endure for the name of the Lord, the more God's favor and grace will be on your life. Amen. The Lord knows what you're going through. The Lord knows when you're persecuted. And listen, you might think that he's sitting back and he don't know what's going on. But no, he'll reward you, the Bible says. Jesus said, blessed are those that are persecuted for their reward is great. And so when people come against you, just go around the corner and say, praise God, my reward is getting stronger. My reward is getting better. Amen. And so you go back and, and I, I think I'm going to take a little bit more of that persecution because it's going to bless me more. It's going to favor me more. Amen. The more they come against you, the more they attack you. Be encouraged. God knows what's going on. God knows you're standing up for him, living for him. And he'll reward you and bless you for it. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to live a blessed life, you need to have the right attitude. It's not through, you know, it's not, it's not instant, it's not instant blessing. You know, it's not like pray this little prayer on me and then I'm blessed. No, he said, I'll tell you who's going to be blessed. Those who keep these attitudes working and flowing in their life. Blessed are the merciful who learn how to forgive. Your life can be going great and it turn around just that quick. Because somebody does something wrong to you and you don't release that offense. Amen. So that's why he says, blessed are those who are merciful. Your life can just, your life can just totally go, go the wrong way by allowing some impurities, allowing some motives, allowing some, some dishonesty to creep into your life, some deception, some manipulation, and your life starts going the wrong way. So he says, hey, Blessed are the pure in heart. Your life can just, your life can just totally stand still whenever you're, whenever you're enjoying and you're encouraging conflict and you're, you're, you're encouraging fighting and quarreling. Don't do that, the Lord said. Blessed are the peacemakers. Shoot and aim for peace in the workplace and in the neighborhood. Don't stir things up. Don't fight in the home. Let peace rule in your home. And the peace of, and the grace of God will be there. Amen. And then be courageous. Be courageous. As you out there living your life for the Lord, be courageous. Stand strong. Whenever they come against you, just smile. Just smile. Lord, thank you for allowing me to suffer a little bit. Thank you for allowing me to, to just stand up for you. You, you died. You were crucified for me. 
It's a privilege to be able to just get persecuted a little bit for you. Amen? Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? Why don't you just bow your head with me for just a moment. And You know, these are four different... These are four different targets that the Lord is aiming for here. He's trying to move people from the place where they don't enjoy the blessing of God to the place where they do enjoy the blessing of God. And today your life can change by just releasing any unforgiveness or bitterness that you might be harboring in your heart. If there's somebody that you can't talk to, somebody that you avoid, somebody that you, you know, that, that you, whenever you think about them, you, the emotion that what rises up in you is not godly. That's a sign that maybe there's something going on in your heart that needs to be dealt with. Jesus said we must forgive not from our head, but from our heart. We can't just say, I forgive with our lips. But yet all the time we're holding on with our heart. Jesus says we must forgive from our heart. Amen. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've been, you've been allowing some things to creep. Maybe some, you, you're allowing some, some dishonesty. You're allowing some things that lack integrity. This is the Lord saying, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. Change your course. Change your direction. Live with a pure heart. Because you're going to see God in your life. Maybe you need to right now just make a decision. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to stay in this fight. I quit fighting. I'm taking my boxing gloves off. And I'm, I'm not going to try to get this one against that one and, and, and stir up the pot. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be an instigator. I'm taking the boxing gloves off and I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to talk good about people. I'm going to encourage people to get along because I want the peace of God in my life. Amen. Or maybe today you just need to be encouraged. You just need to have hope today that even though people are coming against you, that it's going to be all right. You're going to make it. If you just hang in there, you're going to get over to the other side. And God's going to favor you and bless you like you never thought possible. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for your grace that is being released over this, over this auditorium today. Lord, I pray that you would just help us, God. Lord, every day it's a challenge. Every day, Lord, it's a, it's a new day that we have to learn to live these attitudes in our life, Lord, so we can stay in that position, so we can stay in that place of blessing. Help us, Lord. We need your grace today to be able to do that. Thank you, Lord, for releasing your anointing, releasing your power, releasing your grace. Lord, we want to be blessed men and women and children of God. And we pray, help us, God to live with the right attitude, God. Help us today. Touch every heart. Touch every life here. Now, you know, really, we can't leave these... We can't live these attitudes without the grace of God. You know, the Bible says that, that, you know, all of us fall short. You know, you can't really live the standard of Christianity without the Spirit of God. And you don't have the Spirit of God working in your life until you surrender your heart to Jesus. And right now, the 
The Spirit of God is tugging at hearts, knocking on the door of your heart because He wants you to become a Christian. It's not just good enough to go to church. you got to surrender your life. You need to give control of your life over to the Lord. And you might be here today and say, Todd, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I'm a saved, but I want to know, would you pray for me? Would you pray that God would forgive my heart, cleanse my heart? I want to be a Christian today. If that's you, just raise your hand while everybody else is praying and interceding. Just, lay, just raise your hand. Listen, those of you that raised your hand, you don't have to look down. Everybody else is praying for you. You look up. Listen, the Lord has, has knowledge of where you are. And the Lord brought you here today because He wants to get you out of darkness and He wants you to bring you in His light. Today is the best day of your life. Today is the day that the curse is broken off your life and you come into the marvelous light of the love of Jesus. Amen? So listen, those of you that raise your hand, I want you to raise both your hands right now. Just raise both your hands, and I want to pray for you. And just say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short. But Lord, I believe you're a God of forgiveness. And that you forgive sins. And I'm asking your forgiveness, Lord. I'm asking for your mercy today. Lord, I'm sorry for sinning against you. Lord, I'm sorry for breaking your law. Lord, today, I ask you to wash my heart. Cleanse my life. I want to be a Christian. Change my life today, Lord. Help me to walk in light. Help me to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.